Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast hello and welcome back to the dynasty crossroads my name is peter howard at pa howdy on twitter this is a member of the dlf family of podcasts sup plugs i don't know i had an opening plan for this you know i'm doing this thing where i talk for a while before the theme song for zach reed kicks in i don't know kind of feels like it sucks now but anyway, uh, what I was going to start with you all is uh, I am basically two things, two driving things. I'm called a lot of things, some of them good, most of them bad. But I'm really just curious and uh, honest, Pain- painfully honest with myself. And uh, yeah, that's that's what we do here. I hope you like it. This week, uh, we're going to talk about what we can learn about the second eight weeks based on the first eight weeks in fantasy football seasons. Do Sometimes pour cold water on heat When the mass not adding up You said I'm checking out I'm just finally working to the Yeah, I, I let the full intro play this week, I guess because uh, I like listening to it and also because I just needed some extra time to think about that awful failure of an intro. You know, just reflect, take a quiet moment, <laughs> or a loud moment with Zach sings. Uh, listen, uh, it has a point though, because I don't think, I, I think it's why I have a, a particular type of fun on Twitter, I, I don't think people get it, like I I don't think I'm smart, <laughs> like genuinely or good, um, but I'm remarkably curious and uh, by default painfully honest, like, and somehow that adds up to this, whatever this is, and the quiet time we have here on the crossroads. There's nothing like a loud rock-themed anthem and then a nerd coming on to talk very quietly and boringly about fantasy football, by the way, but... I digress. Um, yeah, because uh, people don't like my shortcuts sometimes, even though I have the background research on them. And sometimes they don't get, I feel like, um, why my content isn't always directed. And I, when I write an article or something of that nature, book, chapter, whatever it is, I'm... Uh, mercenaried into doing because I'm a complete whore when it comes to content or YouTube video I do try and make it useful and direction but most of the stuff I talk about and end up spending the majority of my time on 
is just, I'm kind of curious. I have a question, I want the answer to it. It's not particularly uh, an interesting question to everyone, maybe, but I want to know the answer to it. So I go about trying to find the best answer I can by using information to draw the best conclusions I can and being willing to change those conclusions based on it not working um, or not working out that way or finding new information, uh, essentially, which all of that would be just be finding new information. Um, and that's it. And that fits this little weird hobby of ours because it's a just a default good process, not like I have a good process, just my natural inclination fits. It just fits. And um, I don't sometimes understand why people would try to retrofit what happens onto the ideas they want to be true. Um, and it's a lot of fun having a conversation about something that really doesn't matter, ultimately, unless you're playing in million-dollar leagues, of course, but um, fantasy football... A little aside from life, and that's it. And I just post stuff like that on Twitter, and I talk about that stuff here on the crossroads. And sometimes it's directionless, but um, just it's an interesting answer to a question I had. I often find it circles back around, like you inoculate yourselves to bad analysis, if you can call it that, just by having an understanding of something that you didn't really particularly have a purpose for in the first place. You were just curious and so you know it works roughly this way but you didn't really have a firm game-breaking conclusion you just know this thing and then someone says something stupid because uh, it is just stupid it's just stupid to say things based on what you think should be true and then finding information I mean I get that it's not everyone's default to be whatever the crap I am but I mean it's just like how many times can you be wrong before you're like maybe I should change something um, but whatever, you know, different strokes, different folks. It's cool. Um, why am I going on this one? Uh, because I got curious. I was just wondering if I could see a simple list because I thought it might be striking. We definitely talk about it as it, if it's striking. And that's what interested me on Twitter. And um, just what do the players averaging over 20 points per game through the first eight weeks of a fantasy football season look like and what do the what does the list look like in the second week like is there a drastic change is it just start your studs is it these guys are now locked in and what I like I have a pretty good understanding of season long stats but I'm not often digging through weekly data week by week as the season goes by outside of projections for a single season I've been building out a weekly database now unfortunately part of this and why I don't have defin many definitive things to say is that um, my weekly database, in its full form as it is right now, I've really freshed it out. Um, need to add, I want to add some other things. I don't quite have a line on where I'm going to get access to them. But I got most things that I'm interested in. And um, still some things I really want to... I don't know if I want to import from the season-long database or if I want to turn my weekly database into my main database and just start doing some of the things in there. Because I've got some really neat tricks uh, and tabs and little things I've built in the season-long database, like to just simply uh, list based on season-long stats, adjusted accordingly and as is needed, um, for the most likely breakouts. It just pulls up a list for me once I add new data, and it worked really well this year. The first year I implemented it, it highlighted pretty much all my good takes. I just 
those are the names that appeared on the list. And also Kenny Galladay and Juju Smith-Schuster and Alan Robinson. But, you know, you overlook the bad ones. So, uh, we'll take Cup and Debo and Marcus Brown. You know, it's, pre- it's pretty fun. It's good to know that Zeke was meant to continue producing just because it auto-populates. But that's all built in my season-long database. I've really gone off the track twice here. But, anyway... My weekly database, in that the data is listed weekly, and then I've got it pulled into a season-long trend tab, so I can see some of the season-long numbers as well. It doesn't have breakout year, and it doesn't have breakout age, um, although it is all hooked up through the same ID system now, so I can can connect it all. But it only has that weekly data, as in what they did week one, two, three, in every individual season from 2018 to 2021. Obviously, this season is 2021, so that's not even finished yet. Um, and every time I add more, my, the, there's more smoke coming out, uh, even the desktop at this point. Weekly data in Excel is just weird. Look, I've, I've talked on here about, before about how play-by-play data literally breaks computers uh, if you try to play around with it a little too much, uh, just using Excel. And so, you know, coding continues to be probably what should be on the top of my list of priorities, but I'm not a real nerd. I'm not someone who just wants to be able to simulate games uh, or find... And I'm not John Bosch. I'm not a game theorist who just wants to find the cheat code to a game. I'm literally just curious, and I enjoy being curious with other people. And the fact that I found a small community is interested in some of the results... Um, of my curiosity has been amazingly fun and uh, so yeah coding is something that I should do and it makes my eyes roll every time I try 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 because I'm not a real nerd I'm not it's not I'm not like deeply into that stuff I just need to know a certain amount of it to f- satisfy my curiosity and uh, you know I, so far Excel's been working and I really need to learn to code to get more answers to questions but where was I? Uh, yeah, so I was interested. Points per game list, first eight weeks, second eight, week, eight weeks. It's not groundbreaking, and it's certainly not something I haven't heard people talking about, the splits in season. In fact, when I just posted a very simple thing about, well, very simple, but it took me all night to build, um, here's a list from 2018 to 2020 of players averaging a certain number of points per game uh, in the first half of the season versus the second half of the season, adjusted for anyone that didn't play at least four games in either sample. Um, and someone asked me for my conclusions. I was like, oh, I didn't think of those. Um, I guess here's some general ones. And I tagged Adam Hardstead from, obviously, Football Guys, and he came in with, like, realistic, real-world, interesting information. So that was good, because it sounded like, you know, someone got an answer to it because of Adam, but I, I didn't have any. But, um... One of the things he was pointing out is that ADP has a different, slightly different correlation in the first... Actually, he was using quarter splits. So go read the thread if you're interested in what Adam said, because it was remarkable. But one of the things that he's noted before, and I kind of saw it in the list that I created, is that players who are younger, especially rookie players, tend to average more in the second half of the season, or as the season progresses, rather, and then in the first part and parts of the season uh, which makes a lot of sense working your way into the office learning the offense developing trust and connections and all those real world things it kind of makes sense and particularly I found that to be very true with the running back position but it's also true with the wide receiver position and here we come to the three-year sample size I have here it's really 
Definitely hard to draw any large-scale conclusions off it, but it is interesting because it's backed up by a wider data set that Adam's already mentioned before, that younger players should be expected to be doing gradually better as the season wears on. At least in terms of fantasy, we can expect the Javante Williams this year, or uh, the AJ Dillon, it looks like, after this week, or... um, Last year, the the Jonathan Taylors and DeAndre Swift to come on later in the season. That's not just uncommon. It's actually um, a trend. I think what Adam said that first caught my attention a while back was that there are only group of players who average more points per game in the second part or second or towards the end of the season than they do towards the start of the season. And that's what stuck in my head. And I kind of saw it on these two lists as well. Um. If you're interested in the list, I, I can read the names to you, but like it's a podcast and that kind of sucks. But like in 2020, Avon Kamara, Davin Cook, uh, Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, James Robinson, and Ezekiel Elliott were all averaging over 18 points per game in the second half of the season. Three of those players repeat Kamara, Cook, Henry, and then you've also got David Montgomery, Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb. Now, Swift doesn't make that list because he was actually averaging over like 17 points something and points per game but it was just an arbitrary line because I literally started this whole thing this week because I I had that question what does a list of 20 points per game and I lowered it to 18 after looking at the seasonal average for top 12 players at running back and I thought maybe I'll lower it all um but it's just an arbitrary line and I was interested to see what the the two samples looked like essentially um and some broader conclusions that we came away from both on Twitter and while that guy actually asked me for definite conclusions and Adam came in with good information I was like you know what it's also interesting that wide receiver is less consistent in terms of those scoring 18 points per game over in the first eight weeks and then uh, 18 points per game in the second week and remember the sample's already thinned out and um, by players who play at least four games in either sample so there's probably some names missing and um, on those lists that you might recognize being a fantasy player I, I definitely noticed some but like um 2020 only two players repeat um uh, in the second eight weeks of the season averaging over 18 points per game we also have fewer wide receivers averaging 18 points per game over that second half of the season now in 2019 again where it's three-year sample so i'm not trying to say this is and we've cracked the difference between the second and the first half of the season it's not it's not really big enough <laughs> that's what she said but um to draw those kind of conclusions because in 2019 there are more wide receivers averaging over 18 points per game in the second half of the season and again only one repeat though there were two repeats in 2020 and um, one repeat in 2019 to do very quick math uh roughly between those two years at least half the sample continued to produce 18 points per game um at running back and barely a third of the sample um continues to produce 18 points per game through the second half of the season and we know running backs are more likely to drop out of it because of injury because they have a higher injury risk so it's interesting that wide receivers don't seem to remain as similar in the second half of the season the other thing that strikes me is that yeah the wide receiver list looks uh to put it in a way i don't know if this is too blunt or what it's something and um, but the wide receiver list is very high quality yeah let's put the word they're all high quality people but in terms of fantasy assets like there's no there's very rarely a, a name on there you're like oh yeah he's uh, an awesome player that you love having on your team i mean Devonte parker shows up in 2019 
Uh, you probably hate Juju Smith-Schuster at this point, and I do not. But he was on the second half of the season list in 2018. And also you can notice that a lot of young players, digging back even through three years, turning up in that second half of the season, which is kind of interesting. Um, to me, anyway, especially since Calvin Ridley turns up on this list in 2019... And 2020, but he does it primarily in 2019 in the second half of the season, and he does it through both samples in the first and the second half of the season and in 2020, where he had that top 12 season. He was averaging over 18 points per game either way in both half of the season. So again, I uh, hope he gets well soon and comes back to fantasy football because that's pretty cool. That's pretty good. At tight end, I uh, had to drop it to 14 points per game because tight ends just don't do that. Uh, apart from that one year from Travis Kelsey, he shows up on the list if you leave it at 18 points per game. In the second half of the season, he was averaging over 18 points per game. Neat. But that's like the only one. So I dropped it to 14 points per game. Um, tight ends are kind of clutch and kind of not in some ways in the second half of the season. That's one overview I've got just through a three-year sample size in that... The players averaging over 14 points per game in the first half of the season are the players averaging over 14 points per game in the second half of the season, and it's pretty much Travis Kelsey for the last three years. Um, But last year, we did have Darren Waller and George Kittle in the first half of the season, and then Darren Waller again in the second half of the season. George Kittle dropped out, obviously, because of injury. 2019, Travis Kelsey ends up on both sides of the season, averaging over 14 points per game, but we have no one else repeating in the second half of the season, interestingly. Uh, But you do have George Kittle, uh, Zach Ertz, Jared Cook, and Tyler Higbee. Remember the Tyler Higbee days? Yeah, that was fun. And in 2019, they were all averaging over 14 points per game during the second half of the season. I think especially because uh, if you play around with this data enough, you see that they're not tight ends that are coming out of nowhere, particularly even in, well, just in the three-year sample. Um, Most of them are consistently producing fantasy points, even if not over the average of 14 points per game. Um, And so that's why I think they're kind of clutch in a way, because... Uh, there's less, there's more stability to the scoring at to the tight end position in the second half of the season than the first half of the season. Even I think, but again, early days um, of looking at a three-year sample that I really should build out into at least a ten-year sample. Um, in terms of scoring, first and second half of the season. Um, so I felt thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, it's pretty much Travis Kelsey all three years. But even when you're just looking at 14 points per game, Zach Ertz is in there uh, in 2019 and 2018, to be fair. And he's still kicking up noise now because it's almost like tight ends when they get older aren't bad. But, you know, whatever. Um, or any player for that matter. But tight end, I didn't see a lot of... Im- excitement in that group outside of that they're a little bit clutch because they there's less variability there's more there's sustainability to their uh, points per game first and second half of the season for example i went back to the data set and i tested r squared i know one of those boring nerd numbers but literally just think about it in terms of how much how, what's the relationship between one number and the other number and the relationship is very strong at tight end it's like 0.65 in um uh, r squared which is that it's <sighs> It's often described as predicting 65% of the second number, so predicting 65% accuracy um, of the points per game for tight ends in the second half of the season. But that's entirely, an, it's not an accuracy measure, and even though we can turn it into a percentage, like I probably don't understand it enough to try and explain this again. I actually did pretty good research on it and did a few episodes a while back on exactly how to translate it out of nerd language so we can understand it. And the simple explanation I tend to give on Twitter, and I'm going to give again here, is just it's 
it's the relationship. How strong is the relationship between the one number and the other number? Um, and it's strongest for tight ends. So the first half of the season, again, they're consi- more consistent than most in the second half of the season. Running back is next, and it's very, very close, actually. And wide receiver is the lowest of the three skill position players, um, tight end at least, even even though they shouldn't really be three. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, so... Why the curiosity thing and just these general notes? Because I basically get two days in season. It's kind of why season in season stuff sucks. I want to say like I hate in season, but I don't. I love in season because everyone's active. I get more questions. I get to talk to more people. Everyone's much more interested in this little thing I'm curious about constantly. And it's wonderful. People want to discuss teams and players and trends. And normally it's just me and you sitting sitting in my little finished basement talking about some weird little thing that I found interesting and might have use. And, you know, Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel sometimes. And um, just throw that out that I do occasionally have good takes because sometimes I wonder with the crossroads if you're like, why do I listen to this guy? Because occasionally some, some good things drop, okay? Stick with it. And occasionally I even make a joke. I make a joke or two now and then, you know? Yeah, it's fun. We're having fun. We're, ha- we're all having fun. I'm moving on. Um, so where was I? Because I, I get these two days. Um, basically, Sunday after game lock to the end of Monday, when I go to bed on Monday, which is usually very, very late. Um, though That's the time I have to just be curious. Outside of that, I have to get the data out. I don't know why everyone wants data the minute a game's projected. Like, are you really using target share to make lineup decisions for games that are finished? I don't know, but I feel like if I don't keep up with the pace, people people will stop being interested in me and my curious little ass. So, that was weird. Um, so I, I just get it out as quick as I can. But um, while games are going on, basically that little period, I've just kind of free i don't have to update projections because i mean updating projections at that point would be dis almost dishonest i could just look at the stats and update the projections so i don't update them during that period there's no data that's dropped off the nfl uh, api so there's nothing to stuff in sheets and um, i don't have a podcast to record because again i've left this one a little late already but also we tend to wait till the week wraps up till i really start recording this podcast and i was doing a little bit of curiosity this week so this is a little late, uh, I guess. I, I'm trying not to be too strict with myself with the deadline, actually. It's more fun for me, and it makes for less haphazard episodes, which has happened occasionally, and I don't like. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I try to keep to the Sunday night, Monday morning drop for the podcast, but there's a little leeway in there for us, you know? A little surprise every now and on a Tuesday and Wednesday. It's not a bad thing. Surprise is a good thing. God, I'm in a weird mood today. I got curious, and I get excited, and I have fun, and uh, I'm not used to feeling happy, and I am happy when I got to investigate a thing or found an answer to a question. So moving on, because I desperately need to, um, I just was looking for that list and to see what kind of names I saw, and obviously that leads on to more questions, that's the thing about curiosity, um, but where it's only a three-year sample, and that's why I went through the whole thing about the database, I really don't want to make you think that I'm drawing large-scale conclusions that can definitely tell you about the next eight weeks in 2021. I just have these two days, and they're the only two days I get in season to actually just engage in a little curiosity instead of trying to push content, write an article, fill a database, 
and so on and so forth. And you know, frankly, 14 of those hours I actually spend working, 14 of those 48 hours I spend working, I spend at least six sleeping because I'm getting decadent in my old age and I sleep at least three hours a day these days. And you know, some of that's probably taken up with eating and having kids and a wife. And so the curiosity's window is shorter in those hours and you you might possibly be thinking so i haven't been able to dig down in or expand my database back to the uh, sufficient sample size it's just i think there are some interesting things here and i'm going to draw some conclusions here but remember that they're very broad like what i just said about tight end i think tight ends can be kind of clutch i feel safer stuffing in a tight end like hunter henry this week or noah fant this week when some of my wide receivers are a little bit questionable because of that consistency in their points per game scoring and that helped me out a little this week it's not like always start tight ends over wide receivers in the second half of the season no for a start we're talking about 14 points per game instead of 18 points per game so don't do that okay just don't make large-scale conclusions of the casual observations of a three-year sample size and that yeah i i it just occurred to me that I could get like clout and money and fame if I was willing to do that because I just realized half the people that annoy me have all those things and it's because they would literally tell you that the, this is for sure. Yeah, screw those guys. Anyway, uh, moving on. So here's some conclusions based off uh, the actual data instead of just looking at the list that I was curious on. What the other thing, one of the other things I did with it besides testing R squared and lining up the samples and re removing those four games and actually figuring out a way of doing this with my sample size was to look at what I call, or you could call game breaking or game changing or league winning players. I'm sure there's a term out there that someone's claimed and TM odd and you know, I'm meant to use their term, but it's players that average um, over 14 points per game in the second half of the season that were scoring less than 13 points per game in the first half of the season and I just sort made that list and sorted them by position because I was interested in was there any commonalities and uh, the running back list again we see a large trend towards their career year being slightly lower in that you know the average career year of players averaging over 14 points per game during the second half of the season and playing at least four games this is where DeAndre Swift actually makes the list for example is around 2.8 and there are several of those players like uh, Damian Williams and um, in 2019 who did this who we know an opportunity essentially because he became healthy and available even though he played uh what where's my split here he played uh six games the first half of the season and five games the other half of the season it's an avenue for opportunity to open up with running backs which we're very familiar with considering our you know Dernis johnson takes this week for example opportunity to open up in running backs and a very interesting way damon williams is on this list twice by the way it's chiefs running backs on clyde edwards hilaire have the opportunity to be game breaking it seems over the last three years I don't know why they won't throw more to Clyde Evers Lair, but they're not. So there we go. Anyway, so where was I? Um, outside of those few rare examples, and we only have 16 players over the last three years and that have done this, averaged less than 13 points per game and then over 14 points per game um, in the second half of the season. And they tend to be younger players, like DeAndre Swift, like Joe Mixon. And in 2019, it was only year three. Miles Sanders did it in his rookie season, uh, for example. Mevin Gordon did it in that same year in 2019. 
but he only played four games through the first uh, half of the season. So that's, again, an availability thing, that path to opportunity and that running backs can get, which, you know, it really isn't an avenue open for wide receivers unless perhaps you're a rookie. So that's what I see overall in these 16 players. It's, you know, Javante Adams, AJ Dillon, these younger wide receivers earlier in their career can definitely work their way into more opportunity during the second half of the season. Overall, again, as Adam Hobbs has definitely actually proven with probably a better podcast and, and, and more data, um, they're the group who we should expect to average more points per game towards the second half of the season. So if they start dropping in your league, if you're playing in a redraft league, it's a good idea to pick them up. I remember this being one of the fascinations with me that got me more into Dynasty um, from redraft because I started to see Mike Evans and Odo Beckham's on the waiver wire in some redraft leagues because they hadn't quite been scoring. Well, Odo Beckham was slightly different here earlier, but Mike Evans definitely. And I think Kelvin Benjamin as well because I started adding them off the waiver wire and they started slowly scoring my points and actually you know, may have won me some leagues um, in that year. And I was like, these young rookies and the way no one values them in redraft at least are really interesting. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of us joined up at that point and the edge was already gone before it started, but it did get me here. So there we go. So uh, I actually looked at the average um, points per game for players. I have at least one points per game in both uh, halves of the season and um, since 2018. And I found, yeah, career year one and two players definitely average, especially at the running back position, a higher points per game in the second half of the season. Wide receivers, especially in their rookie season, tend to average more points per game in the second half of the season. But it's a lot less uh, stable um, after that in their second, third, fourth, fifth, and all the way up to their tenth year. It's very much older players uh, are more of a feature in that second half of the season. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see some of what Adam's looking at. But I do think it seems to be, just through the three-year sample size, more of a running back trait. Um, again, thinking of Swift last year, and this is one of the things that occurred to me. Like last year, we just got treated to a whole bunch of rookie running backs breaking out right at the end and winning as fantasy leagues in some cases. Um, and I think that might be prevalent in our consciousness. So while I'm excited about Javante Williams, it's maybe... That's why it's been such an exaggerated trend in social media and general content to expect it to be happening next week. Now this week. Now this week. Because we just saw like three of them do it last year. Um, And it's not nearly that consistent it's not every year or the rookie running backs only break out over the last five games or anything like that a wide receiver on the other hand if i look at those game changing game breaking or players that average over 14 points per game in the second half of the season interestingly enough there are a lot more wide receivers that suddenly start doing that or elevate their points per game in the second half of the season the 16 total over the last three years 18 19 and 20 and that followed this points per game trend in the second half of the season and there's 21 wide receivers and again it doesn't sound like a huge difference and it's not especially in points per game numbers but um since we're dealing with a fairly small sample that is consistently more every year and we should kind of expect that i think again off of a small sample size that more wide receivers will or the players averaging over like not difference making like 16 points per game is startable like it's very good but that's kind of what you want from your wide receiver if you're 
uh, a playoff team, that's kind of what your wide receivers should be getting. And we know a bunch of them can give us dud weeks because of the slightly more variability of wide receiver scoring. But 16 points per game is kind of just startable, crazy as that seems, since we spend so much time, or I spend so much time, chasing 12 points per game Kendrick Bourne type players. But 16 points per game is just good. And um, But this is changing from barely flex-worthy to, you know, every week starter category. And that's why I think they're fairly significant at 14 points per game and over. At wide receivers, they are a slightly older group. The average career year of those players who start averaging this usable um, points per game the second half of the season since 2018 is around about 5.1. It's pretty much twice the average career year of running backs, for example. And it's really notable if you break into the sample and just look at pretty much there's uh, two rookies on this list in the last three years. Hmm, I must have been talking too long. Uh, essentially, it's just uh, A.J. Brown, his rookie year, he elevated into uh, over 17 points per game in the second half of the season. Um, and then I did notice another one on here. Yeah, Debo Samuel did it. Um, in 2019, he played six games, then he played nine games in the second half of the season and went from nine points per game all the way up to 15 points per game um, in his rookie year. And there is one other, actually, interesting enough, Hunter Renfro. Um, 2000, that's, I'm reading their draft years but it is 2019 and um, Andrew averaged 6.3 points per game in the first half of the season and averaged 14.9 points per game so that's startable category if not you know game-breaking like A.J. Brown's second half of the season was at 17 points per game. But Hunter Renfro was averaging 14.9 points per game through six games in the second half of the season um, in his rookie year. So, you know, fair play uh, Hunter Renfro, I guess. Either way, that's about it for young guys. Deontay Johnson did it also uh, last year in 2020. Um uh, averaging 11 points per game through the first uh, eight weeks and then 17 points per game in the second uh, second eight weeks. Obviously, Jonathan Johnson's been on and off the field a little bit this year and also had Ben Rossesberg and then Mason Rudolph, but he's still been a really impressive third-year player, I think, this year, especially in terms of the volume he's been able to earn for himself uh, in that situation, as awful as it might be in terms of uh, the supplying quarterback. DeAndre Johnson's been pretty impressive, um, but that's this year. This uh, in, his, in his second year, last year, he was one of those players who largely elevated, and, and he's the next youngest player, the next earliest career year player, at least. Outside of that, it's Brandon Cooks, Marvin Jones in year seven and eight, Cole Beasley in, year, in his ninth year, uh, Jarvis Landry in seventh year. I think the point is made without me reading the entire list of 21 names, you know what I mean? Um, they just tend to be older uh, players, um, elevating in points per game and during the second half of the season. Now, notably, uh, I think back to my list that I was just curious on, that kind of fits this pattern of players scoring over 18 points per game first half to second half of the season, where there is a lot less stability in those players. Now, does this mean that, you know, Debo Samuels and Cooper Cup are destined for the dust heap? No, because injury plays into this a lot, and I really haven't been at it in my little five-hour window of curiosity that I have this week and been able to find and adjust the sample for injuries and be completely aware of every um, event that happened in these seasons. And I know it's like the last three years, but like my memory sucks. That's why I got sheets, fellas. Um, anyway, but like last year, Adams and Kevin Ridley did it both first and second half of the season. The year before that, um, Mal- 
Michael Thomas did it first and second season, and so did Julio Jones, actually, in 2019. Um, he was averaging over 18 points per game in both the first and the second season, and Julio was doing it again in 2018. If anything, players of that caliber scoring that many points per game points, I'm not sitting unless they're injured because they're just pretty much auto starts. But I do think it'll be interesting to watch in the second half of the season if some of these other players who've been struggling, Stefan Diggs just had another good game somewhat um, in week 10, and uh, he's a player who's still getting volume. We know he's an elite-level producer for fantasy assets, and we had a lot of expectations this year. Maybe in the second half of the season he can get back to that, which is why I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago on this podcast. But this train would certainly fit in with that narrative that he can... And in fact, it would be fairly common for a late, not later career player, but well-established player to jump back into that elite level of producer in the second half of the season. It kind of happens fairly regularly. And, and that's, I guess, my last and final takeaway from this group, because already I'm starting to feel like I'm predicting things off this very small sample. Either way, I found it really interesting. I just literally took our weekly database and... Um, redid the points per game average for the first eight weeks and second eight weeks, filtered it, made a few tables. So all the data's there for you um, if you want to play around with it as well. Although I think the past seasons are just in the Patreon-only one, but it's like a dollar paywall, and I don't feel bad about that because my patrons are awesome and they deserve anything I can give them. They're really fun. Uh, Discord's, uh, Discord's lit. Um, so... Conclusions. Yeah, tight end scoring is a little more stable. First and second half of the season, running backs is next stable. Wide receivers also is the least stable, but they're all operating within a pretty fair range. If players play at least four games in the second half of the season, we shouldn't expect volume or production to really drop away. There are some Todd Gurley's. I did look at the opposite of the game changing and players or whatever I decided to call them. And there are like Todd Gurley's who are averaging over 18 points per game in the first half of the season and then really let us down in the second half of the season. How common is that? It's probably less common than we, we fear it's going to be because of the Todd Gurley's of the world. You know, starting an elite-level running back in the playoffs and having them score three points for you, it's fairly memorable. But I think it's actually slightly exaggerated just looking over this small sample um, of the past. We should expect how actionable it is i don't know I, again it's mostly just me trying to iterate on this long form um or long view uh podcast we do all the week-to-week stuff on the wednesday show on youtube if you've got start shits or what do i do now with my dynasty team questions I'm really leaving that mostly to wednesday and letting the crossroads just be the place let it be curious sometimes it's more actionable uh than others i'm trying to make this a midway between point between both but let me know um but where was I yeah um we should expect I think more wide receivers to suddenly start scoring that significant fantasy point per game threshold in the second half of the season than we've seen doesn't mean those elite level players are going to drop off but some might be added to that list as happened in 2019 where the list of players averaging over 18 points per game actually increased in the second half of the season for the wide receivers and so That'll be interesting trend to watch for at least, especially as I 
this office has been trying to expand the weekly database back further to see if we can find more definitive trends. Outside of that, I'm defaulting to Adam Hodstead, who's looked at it in his own way um, over a much bigger sample. And he's smarter and handsome and more fun and successful than me, so it's probably just best to go what he said anyway. Expect younger players to start scoring more points per game as we enter into this second half of the season, because that's something that he's found to be true. He also thinks it's interesting that ADP predicts um, the R-squared value of points per game fairly consistently. He said the difference... I did notice that the second half of the season, ADP seemed to be more accurate, which fits with one of the things I think is true, but definitely haven't found a concrete trend for, that by the end of the season, ADP is actually more accurate than the start of the season when we see more... Um, unexpected things happen and then they mull over and drop off although that might just be post Mike Williams being elite bias because it's not not nice but it's more of what we expected Keenan Allen not just having the volume but also being the highest scoring wide receiver on the team is kind of what I think most of us would have expected coming into the season as hot as he became as a sleeper I don't think that was the Actually, maybe it was a consensus opinion, and I was in the minority there. I have no idea, but this looks more like what we've seen for a while. So I might just be being led by the, it's recently just dropped. There's a recent trend where what we I expected dropped back into play instead of the out, the thing I didn't expect, which is Mike Williams being the lead wide receiver on the team. Just to throw that out there, where I'm talking about small sample and kind of on the fly, I don't know that for sure. But I thought it was interesting that Adam's research showed that the second half of the season, ADP seemed to be slightly more predictive, even though it hadn't changed from the start of the season, um, of points per game. And um, But to his point, the difference was so marginal, making large conclusions like that is probably stretching the data too much. But he tested essentially ADP in different uh, seasonal splits. Uh, and his main takeaway was that ADP is fairly consistent at predicting points per game, and that younger players, specifically rookie players, would average more points per game as a group in the second half of the season so if play anyone's left and although Devontae Smith just scored two touchdowns uh, Elijah Moore just went off Rondo Moore might be the player people are now down on uh, Devontae Smith just reminded everyone you don't have to have a high BMI to be good at football because you don't and so we're gonna have to wait for a while before I think he's gonna be the most interesting value this offseason, but that's just a guess. But Rondo Moore's points have been slightly low. Might be an interesting player to target in dynasty leagues because he's still got weeks to actually improve his value if he actually produces more points per game. And who knows, if he jumped into that productive category in the second half of the season, he might actually be a good player to target for a team in any situation. I think Rondo Moore is probably the most quote-unquote disappointing high-value rookie right now outside of Tutu Atwell you know obviously because he was high-value anyway I kind of got off the rails here uh I started off the rails I went off the rails at least three times during this podcast so I feel like it's consistent at least anyway let me know what you think um or if you've looked at this or any other ways that I might look because that's the other thing just being a moron who's curious I needed to see Adam post that stuff just to get a general idea of how should I look at this data now I've satisfied my curiosity? And he has some really good ideas. And uh, I think if there's anything good in this podcast, it's because uh, I was basically stealing what he did when he was looking at this kind of thing uh, and trying to apply it in my own way. So, yeah, there it is. That's my podcast for the week. I got to be curious. It actually delayed the podcast for a while because I just wanted to investigate this a little bit more. And uh, hopefully some of that was interesting to you. If you have any more 
direct, like, questions for right now, like actually week 11, not genuinely generally second half of the season questions by all means drop by the youtube and twitch and other youtube and facebook i think live uh podcast me and dynasty outhouse however this week we've got a surprise mystery guest because i don't know who it is yet uh because dynasty outhouse can't make it which is sad but i'll get someone really cool and fun uh and ask us on that show on wednesday and uh yeah that's where we'll do the more directly this year what do i do stuff and uh, this gets to be my curiosity playground. Hey, Jay Clef, man. He can't make me do actionable content anymore. Don't tell him I said that. All right. Thanks very much. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye. God, I hope you enjoyed some of that. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.